and we are back once again here to talk about our burning question of the week. I think this is an exciting burning question as someone who uh, revels in debate and revels in the the conflict of ideas. Our burning question for this week is, what is the best way to debate? What's the best rhetoric? Uh, We've talked about this a little bit off air. Uh, and I'd like to kind of mix it up and get everybody involved. Mr. Moreland, what, what do you think? What is the best way to debate? Uh, well, I think if you're going to have a debate, you need to have ground rules. You need to have like uh, an idea of what you're going to do. A lot of times people focus on the individual instead of the idea. And I think that that's not, you know, always the best way to go because People are people. I mean, you are who you are. I mean, you may have a history, you may have a past. Ethos does play a role in that bit. Like if you wouldn't talk to a, I don't know, a plumber about brain surgery and you wouldn't talk to a brain surgeon about plumbing. But, you know, like just the idea of using specific, you know, manners and and, uh, respect between the debaters, that's got to be the first thing. And I think, you know, basically sticking to facts, I think, is important. I mean, opinions have a place, but opinions need to be based in facts as well. And then uh, the whole ethos, pathos, logos thing we've been teaching in our English classes, ethos being authority, like I said, uh, with the, you know, what do you know about this? What are your credentials? Have you studied it? Do you have a degree? Do you have a certification? Whatever. Uh, Pathos being emotion, which has a place, although, in my opinion, I don't think emotion is as strong as the last one logos being logic. I mean, you want to take logic into consideration. Emotion does have a place, but I think oftentimes people tend to yield to emotion over logic and even authority in some cases. And that's not safe because then you're letting something make decisions that isn't necessarily grounded in reality or isn't necessarily grounded in what's best for a majority of people. It's usually just, you know, oh, well, this is sad or this is makes me angry. Well, a lot of things do make people sad and angry. That doesn't mean they're not necessarily, you know, the answer. Does that make sense? Makes perfect sense to me. I, I think when you construct your, your Venn diagram of what is important for making a good argument, you know, like you said, ethos, pegos, logos really helps out. If you can get your overlap being your ethos and your logos, you're, mm-hmm. you're on the right path. Pathos has a place. It does have a place. Mm-hmm. I, and I agree with you there, but it's its place is not in the forefront, yes. particularly when you're dealing with many people instead of, you know, when you're when dealing with yourself, we can talk about your emotions. But yes. when we're dealing with many people. And romance. It, it, absolutely. But when we're talking about just doing what's best for mm-hmm. more than yourself, then your, your, your emotions have to take a step. I guess it depends on the situation in that case. Maybe I so. I just thought of that. Cause like, if you're, if you're dating somebody, you're not gonna be like, well, you know, I would like to take you to a fancy restaurant, but it'd be logical if we saved our money and cooked at home. Yeah. <laughs> it's not always a good argument. That would be yeah. quite logical captain. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mr. Lumpkin. Sorry. That was a spot reference. Mr. Lumpkin. <laughs> uh, what about you? What do you think is the best way to debate? I don't know. I'm afraid I'm probably not going to be as insightful as Mr. Moreland just was getting into ethos, pagos, and logos. Because I think that brings in a really good point of taking it and, and looking at it in more of a diagram way. So if we're going back and looking at the question, right, we're looking at what is the best way to debate, the best way to have rhetoric, the best way people to discuss subjects. I think he brought up a really good point with people being able to come at it from an equal ground and being able to separate an idea from an individual. I think I don't really have a good answer for directly answering the question, so allow me to kind of circumvent a little bit. One of the biggest issues I see with trying to have discussions with people nowadays, especially in the issues that people are normally having, if they're being pulled politics, especially with alien stuff going on right now, and with politics seeing the impeachment inquiries and everything like that, is there ends up being a lot of divisiveness within among the ideas that people typically want to discuss. They're looking for people that would actually agree with them on the ideas as opposed to having a conscious discussion centered around the ideas, the concept, as opposed to whether they're right or wrong. I think there ends up being a lot of really good usefulness, a lot of really good healthy discussion out of coming from a debate and coming at it from this really objective viewpoint, which it goes, I guess, back into what we're talking about with ethos. 
Ooh, I think the biggest part that I wanted to pull into this discussion is that when we're going into debate or we're going into having a rhetoric is being open to a point to separate the individual from the idea, but also when coming into a deep debate or a discussion, having a mindset of being constructive as opposed to destructive to the other individual instead of trying to bring someone down or bringing down the whole idea, talking about ways to make a problem better, especially because based on the being about problems, that isn't always going to apply to every situation. Uh, that is what I see of as being the best debate is looking at a situation or looking at what, whatever we're discussing and finding a constructive solution or at least finding a compromise as opposed to finding sides that are right and wrong. Uh, that isn't going to apply to every situation, obviously, because there are some objective rights and wrongs, but I think that's the best rhetoric to at least start with. Uh, yeah, at least that's all I can really, that's why I want to bring to it, although I'd love to hear. No, I, I think truth too. plays a role too. I mean, mm -hmm. you can't debate somebody who's literally being dishonest and, and not representing themselves legitimately. I mean, that, mm -hmm. that leads to distrust, that leads to co conflict, that leads to chaos. I think that if you're honest about your opinions, and this is why I, I get frustrated with my students because I ask them opinion-based questions and they're not even important. I mean, they are, but they're like, you know, what did you think of this character in a story? I mean, that's not exactly a life or a death question. And the students are very hesitant to share their opinion about stuff like that. And it's like, listen, this you can't get this question wrong. It's just what you think. And it's not even like it's, it's a, you know, very important, question relative to you know the general needs of the world it's just an opinion you know mm -hmm. like do you like this character or not why why not and the kids just you know typically they'll just be like uh what do you think and it's like well i know what i think i'm trying to get your viewpoint yeah i can definitely reply but it's the fear of what are the, what are people going to think of what i have to say and i think we need to avoid that because when you have fear of sharing your thoughts and your opinions that this leads to stagnation in, in, in the world of ideas and the whole echo chamber problem that, you know, is, is arising now where people mm -hmm. just want to hang out with people who agree with them and turn the people who disagree into the other, that's not going to lead to any, any solutions or any, you know, uh, meaningful discussions. So I think that's the, the hump we need to get over is that fear of people that disagree with us or fear that people aren't going to accept us because accept us because we have a different opinion. I like that you're putting it as, as someone having fear as opposed to someone having apathy. Because that's that's an issue that I've had with trying to get opinions out of students before or opinions out of anyone really. Because everyone seems to want to tiptoe around how they feel because they have this fear that when they disagree or when they have opposing viewpoint or even just a different viewpoint. Since we're all in this really divisive age, even looking at either technology or just looking at just modern politics or anything, really, we feel like we have to have the same opinion on stuff or the same feeling on stuff. And we're afraid to be able to dissent. I don't know if that's necessarily a lack of caring, which is where I, I guess the dark place I start going down when I'm worried, like, okay, you just don't care. That's why you don't have an opinion as opposed to really thinking about it more, which I guess, yeah, you're looking for agreement or you're looking for uh approval what's the right word here acceptance yeah exactly you're looking for this acceptance of your this opinion being the right one especially from us being authority figures i suppose that's fair i think it's very interesting your viewpoint mr mr lumpkin i i really do agree with you that when we're trying to get to the center of the problem people are afraid to say if there even is a problem mm -hmm. A lot of that is that stigma comes with, oh, they're just a rabble rouser. Oh, I've got, I've got the problem. This is a problem. And now it's like, well, we can't talk to him. All he's going to do is bring up problems. I think there is some value to pointing problems out, whether you call that complaining or whether you call that um, a detriment to progress. I do find it very compelling for someone to say, from my perspective, this is an issue. Because at the same time, you know, while it may not be an issue to the three of us, I can for sure see a scenario where it's like you're doing something that's going to affect me negatively, even though it's not bothering you. Mm -hmm. It's bothering me. And, and I, th I think that's important, you know, to get over that fear. Um, as far as I, when it comes down to this rhetoric, I revel in the competition of ideas. I think that 
every good idea can be met be made better by the subjugation of questioning it. I, I, I believe very strongly in if you think you have a good idea, you better be able to defend it and you better be able to stand up to scrutiny of someone who is questioning you. And I, I, I love that personally. I'm, I'm into that. I find it very, I find it exciting to say, oh man, someone's going to question my idea. This is going to be great. I'm excited. Let's go. Um, I do find out other people could not be into that. That's fair. Some people aren't, in, aren't interested in defending their ideas. And again, you know, my father used to tell me all the time when I was a kid, you know, only cowards play home games. <laughs> um, you know, you've got to be able to go into the lion's den with your idea and expect to have that question again come out on the other side. Because if your idea doesn't come out on the other side, then there's a problem with your idea, not with their questions. Your idea is either not clear. You're not explaining it clearly. You're not explaining it well. You're not reaching all the people. If they have questions, then the issue is not with them. The issue is with your idea. Now, there will be those who are there to challenge you. But if their challenge is there for your idea, then it does nothing but help you to then to defend it. That's, a, that's the mindset that I take toward it. I, I believe strongly in practicing rhetoric. I, I, as I've told you guys, I've, I've been on a kick of reading the classics lately. And all of them are online, apparently. Um, they're all public domain. At this they're point. all public domain assume, at this yeah. point. <laughs> so <laughs> I find them and then I, I find the time to read them. And one thing I've always found super compelling is they had the same conflicts and issues and debates thousands of years ago. Very little has really changed. And I'm very excited to, to get into those debates. And I get it. A lot of people see that as being argumentative or being, you know, you just want to argue about things like, no, I don't want to argue. I want to hear what you have to say. I'm very interested in what you have to say, but I'm also going to tell you what I have to say. That's one of the benefits of being a teacher is I have a captive audience who I can tell. And it's like being a podcaster. I have a captive audience. And I can tell you what I have to say. And you really have to, no choice. Well, they do have to, to click the button. They, they do have to, do have to click method. the button. But once you hit play, you're committed. That's binding. You know, you've agreed to listen to this once you hit play. But I, I find, I find again that that debate of ideas. That's one one of the things that I love is to listen to people's ideas. Hmm. You know, it's a true mark to, it's a true mark of intelligence to be able to entertain two ideas at the same time. So I, I just find it very interesting. To go back around to that. And and humor here, humor me here for a absolutely. Second. We'll be glad to. Humans, you would agree, are aggressively social animals, are they not? Yes. And I find it interesting in some ways that one of the best social skills that are out there is being able to discuss ideas, debate ideas, go back and forth on ideas. And it's such a shame that in our life at this point that that is such a a lost social skill, I find. When trying to interact with people, to try and be the social creatures that we are, we always find issues in having, or not, we always, you always see people have, having these issues without being able to, yes, entertain those two ideas at once. And I feel like that's reflected a lot in the ways that people might come across socially. And it's interesting as an adult, and kind of, I'm still, I guess, I guess mid 20s. Oh God, I guess I'm turning 27 soon. Uh, late 20s adult and trying to be out there in the actual like world and interacting with other adults and trying to find the right places to actually have the social interactions because you find so many people that are stuck within their own echo chambers that may be very passionate about the way they feel but not wanting to accept or to even listen to anyone else's feelings opinions discussions debates it's <clears throat> nice and i guess this is more so me also saying thank you for being in a place with people that I can actually have those discussions with, especially in this medium. Yes. <laughs> we wouldn't be able to do this very long if we didn't talk to each other. And that's no. true. <laughs> the world would be a much better place if people were more open to discussing these ideas. I think that's really the, the problem with a lot of the, the gridlock you see in, in business and technology and the government. I mean, yes, schools. It is. Absolutely. It's just like, oh, well, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't know what you're talking about. It's like, well, if you just, if you, you know, pull back the the iron curtain, yeah. for lack of a better word. No, that's a, that's the best word. Yes, <laughs> and actually, like discuss it. I mean, you don't have to agree with everything somebody says, but if you at least are open to hearing the other person and listen, and you know, expressing yourself honestly without you know deception or you know trickery, then that would lead to 
solutions we may not even know about yet because Absolutely. then you'd have two different ideas that would have to come to that's what it used competing to have competing ideas yeah. would be competing ideas debates and then either a, a compromise or the best idea would win and that doesn't seem to be the case now it seems to be more like people want to shoehorn their their beliefs or ideas onto other people whether they like it or not yeah, be mindful of those who wish to have frivolous debate mm. if they are going to engage you disingenuously i think that's when you you always need to be mindful of that you can't have a debate with someone who's only in it to rabble rouse that is i will say that and if you realize that you're in that then you might want to take a step back and say you're not really engaging me in good faith so i would like to go from there right into our new poll mr Mullen, what you got for us all right well, as we said earlier uh we are having a uh attendance meeting for anime club and video game club and all three of us are involved with the mphs game club that's correct you know it used to be video game club but now it's not morphed into this card game gaming board game, board game. we play play gaming magic the gathering magic warhammer the gather warhammer which you have to say like that warhammer hammer you know because it's a very elegant game Certainly it's a game not. of kings, as they <laughs> say. Right. Uh, but, you know, we were originally the video game club. And so our poll this week is, which video game system do you prefer? Although one of these is technically not a system. Uh, I guess you could call it that. The choices are Xbox One. And if you just like Xbox in general, you can choose that one as well. PlayStation 4. And again, if you just like our, our PlayStation fan, you could choose that. Nintendo Switch. Which, if you're a Nintendo fan, once again, you could just choose that one. I remember the NES, the original. I had one. I still have mine. You did. I've, I've played it. And then finally, gaming PC or laptop. Now, there might be some Apple floppy disk aficionados out there playing Oregon Trail. If there are. If that's you, <laughs> uh, that, that counts. You can choose gaming PC, laptop. For those of our older, our younger listeners, a floppy disk was a storage medium that was literally a square that could be bent. That's why they call it floppy. Hmm. I still have some. I just got to figure what's on them. I, I have the three and a half inch ones. Yeah. I, I had a five and a half a long time ago. I used to use that when I had to run DOS. Again, speaking a foreign language. But I, I, really quickly, quick micro poll, uh, since on the spirit of the uh, video game consoles, Best video game controller, go. Best video game controller for me, if I'm looking at just looking at like straight up controllers, DualShocks for the PlayStation 2 and then okay. moving forward PlayStation 3. It just felt more organic for me. That might be biased because I, I started on the PlayStation. Understood. DualShocks having the thumb at the same range. Uh, I like the DualShock, uh, but I like the Nintendo Switch's controller. I know they're kind of the like... Pro controller the, the, the Pro controller or... The Pro controller. Okay. It's kind of like mm -hmm. a, a combination of... Uh, the PlayStation and Xbox. However, I'm going to have to go with the controller that I used for at least a decade, if not longer. What's that? The original NES square, like not really square. Rectangular. Rectangular. Yeah, yeah. rectangular yeah. A and B only. Yep. Mm -hmm. A, B, select, start, up, down, left, right. And that thing still survives to this day. It still works. It's because it was made out of uh, tank armor. That's right. <laughs> uh, I'm going to have to go with the Xbox 360 controller. Mm. I have on multiple occasions put an untold number of hours into those, wore down the uh, joysticks on many a controller, uh, playing Halo 3 mostly. Uh, I do wanna give a shout out to the Xbox Elite controller, both version one and version two. I have, a, I have one of each. The Xbox version two has stainless steel ball bearings mm. for the controller arm, so no grinding away there. Lots of grinding in the game, so. So I just want to go to our final thoughts. Mr. Moreland, what you got for us? Well, talking about these these uh, video game controllers has got me reminiscing of the controller that fought back. Which one was that? The Nintendo 64 controller. And if you've played Mario Party 64, you Which know what I I'm have. talking about. You do that little thing where you twist the, the, the stick in yep. like a circular motion. That's right. And when you're done, you take your hand away. There's a big old blister on yep. you. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. That was a classic controller. I uh, I played a mini a GoldenEye match on that controller. Played. It's not exposed yes. until college, but played nope. Pokemon Stadium for and many So my, my final thought will have to be this. Uh, I'm sure some students are still 
old enough to remember the original Nintendo Wii. And just like the Wii always tried to remind you, remember when you play games to always take a break. Absolutely. Mr. Lumpkin, any final thoughts? (sighs) Enjoy yourselves. Have a good time. Stay with it. That's all I got. That's pretty good. It's the best I can get. You got to give a PSA too. Come on. A PSA too. I hadn't even thought of one yet. Although, hug a teacher. (laughs) Or don't. Or don't. (laughs) Or don't. Let's go with don't. Ask first if yeah. it's okay. Um, I I, uh, I want to go back to uh, the quote. It actually is an Aristotle quote that uh, it is the mark of an educated mind to be able to entertain a thought without accepting it. I know we've talked a lot about debate. There is something to be said for hearing something and going, that's an interesting thought, but I don't accept that. I, I always want to tell people to contemplate things deeply uh, think about things wisely and always act graciously. That's mm-hmm. that's what I would like to see from my students, from our listeners. Uh, we would like to shout out the the listeners that we have all over America. We do have several uh, individuals listening in various states. We will go over that next week on the podcast. I think we're going to actually look at the where our, our metrics are coming from and kind of give a give a show update. I think that's what we'll do for our next episode. A shout out to our listeners. That's right. A shout out to all of our listeners out there. We are very grateful to you. You can, as always, follow us on Twitter at PWUT Podcast or PWUT Podcast, where our new poll will be listed. We're looking for votes. And if you have any feedback that makes the show better, we're all ears. As always, we'd like to thank you for listening. Thank you. Good night and good luck. And we are back with a student interview this week. So we've got with us a student. Uh, he is a teacher's assistant. He is all over the school. He does a lot of things. And I'd like to him go ahead and introduce himself. Who's with us today? My name is Ed. Uh, people know me as Eduardo. But yeah, just go by Ed. Eduardo Jose Sandoval Gonzalez, to be specific. All righty. Well, we're glad to have you here today, Ed. We're going to ask you a couple questions. Is that okay? Yep. First things first, how's your semester been going? Mm, my semester's been going okay. Uh, got my favorite, I got my favorite teacher right here for TA, so... That's like that's my favorite part of the day. That's a great point, and that's an easy way to get an A in my class. <laughs> no, but yeah, it's just pretty much the only the only good thing that comes in the house. Okay. Like, no. So we're gonna ask you another question. Who's your Super Smash Brothers main? I, I play a lot of characters. You know, a lot of most of the heavies, but I'd like to say probably Donkey Kong. Donkey Kong. It's pretty good. What grade are you in? <clears throat> uh, senior. So you're graduating in June. Yep. Class of 2020. Mm-hmm. Are you excited? Yep, very excited. Very excited. You ready to move on? Uh, I'm not sure, man. High school's been a big part of my life. I'm not sure if I'm ready. Yeah. Well, we're excited for you, and we're ready to celebrate with you. What's your favorite class and why? All right. My favorite class right now would probably be TAing with you. Mr. Okay. Mayor. That's physics, right? Yep. Okay. Uh, my favorite class that I ever took was also physics with Mr. Hare. Now, you know, there's two other teachers. Have you had... And I've actually had no. one of my <clears throat> second favorites. I wasn't there for long. Uh-huh. You know why. But yeah, I had Mr. Morgan for English. Okay. I never had Mr. Lumpkin. I would have liked to. You could still have Mr. Lumpkin. You got one more semester left. That's true. Uh, I'm already taking the science. I'm not sure I'm taking we wanted to ask you, what's your favorite Michael Jackson song? Uh, Rock With You. Rock With You. Now, that's a classic. Why? Because it vibes. It's got that bop. Like he it. likes the music video with like Michael the dancing old, in the, the jumpsuit Michael. by himself. Yeah. Before he, um, are you a big Michael Jackson fan or not? I like Michael Jackson. I want to say I'm a huge Michael Jackson fan. Like I know a couple songs, but you know, there's some people out there that know like exactly when it came out, what move he did, what mm-hmm. created there, and then there. But I just like his music. Really What's your favorite song right now? You've been playing some songs for uh, Game Club that are kind of turning into your theme song. It seems. What's a What's a song you're into right now? Right now, mm-hmm. uh. It's, it's kind of hard to say. I just play a lot of music. Uh, it'd probably be Fortune Sun right now. Okay, that's what I was. That's what I was hinting. Yeah, at. yeah. <laughs> that's like your your Smash Brothers theme song. Yeah, when I is that when the heel comes out? They play that music, Fortune Sun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when they are we going to Nam and then they just do. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great song. Yeah. All right. Any other questions, Mr. Lumpkin, Mr. Morland? Uh, no, I mean Ed is a great student. He's he's done a great job. I mean. 
I, I thought it was a great student in my class. Of course, there's a situation with that, but he, he did a great job. He passed, did a great I never had to worry about him, his grade. He did a poem about soup. So I guess, uh, what's your advice for students coming up? I mean, you're a student Younger now. students, freshmen, yeah. Yeah. underclassmen. Younger, younger students. Uh, biggest thing is, a uh, quote I made myself, is that you think you've some, done something so stupid, nothing, no one will top it? Trust me, someone will, because people do a ton of stupid stuff. But you can't be beating yourself down because you did something stupid because, like, next year you're going to see someone else do something even stupid. So don't beat yourself down. Uh, just do your work. Like, it's not that hard. You just got to, like, people that just float around in school, uh, you just got to do your work. Pay attention because, like, if you just if you just float around for, like, your whole year, you, once, you hit a, once you hit senior year, you're going to be like, dang, like, why didn't I do all this stuff? So, like, you know, be active, do your work, don't get in trouble, don't be stupid. If you're stupid, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Sage, right. sage yes. words of wisdom. Yep. All right, well, thank you for joining us, Ed. We're glad to have you. All right. Thank All you very much. Welcome to another exciting episode of Practice What You Teach, a weekly teacher podcast. I'm your host, Mr. Hare, and I am here with my co-hosts, Mr. Moreland. Hello. And Mr. Lumpkin. Hey there. And a surprise guest, Mrs. Peterson. It's so glad to have you. Oh, it is a pleasure to be here. Mrs. Peterson has been one of our biggest fans, and we have strived so hard to get her on the podcast. We are glad to have you here with us today. I'm so excited. We're going to go over a couple of topics with you today, including catching up from the past week. We're going to talk about the poll results from the last poll, and then we're going to come up with a new poll, and then... We're going to talk about the new upcoming sports season with football season coming to an end. And we're going to talk about some exciting club news that everyone needs to pay attention to. From there, we're going to do our interesting news story of the week. We've got three good ones. And then finally, our burning question. Following that, we're going to have an interview with Mrs. Peterson, and we're all very excited for that. Now, with all of that being said, we're going to jump right into it. Let's talk about it. Mr. Moreland, how's your week been? Pretty good. Uh, so this is the... What, the second to last week? Like a third to last week before Thanksgiving break. That's right. So there's this week, all of next week, and then yes. we've got uh, Thanksgiving. It was just kind of odd to come back on a Tuesday instead of a Monday. So we were saying, next week on Tuesday, we're going to be in like, what? We're not, we're not coming to school Monday? It's like, no, we are. There will of, be school all five days next week. Got used to not coming to school on Monday. The starting on the 18th. So yep. the week of the 18th, there is school all we five days. We will be here Monday. That's Monday's right. back. And better than ever. Or if you're Garfield, then you have a case of the Mondays. <laughs> Mr. Lumpkin, how's your week been going this week? I, it's been a pretty decent one. I'm glad it was a nice four-day one, but uh, I know next week when we have the full five days like Mr. Moreland was talking about, it's definitely going to be kind of a, a transition back into that full week. Uh, I know and everyone else is freaking out a little bit, especially in their SOL classes because benchmarks are coming up really soon as everyone's trying to get in that last little test before they get to Thanksgiving break because we know that once we get through Thanksgiving break, the rest of the semester is practically gone. So I'm hoping to keep people going as we get to that end. Absolutely. Miss Peterson, how has your week been going? Well, um, I just want to say that I have the pleasure of co-teaching with Mr. Lumpkin, first block and fourth block. So he is always animated and so knowledgeable about earth science and excited. I, I just enjoy myself every time I enter the room. Uh, we do have some characters in the classroom and we just know that we work through it and um, we do have expectations and the students come around, you know, eventually to um, meet and we meet their needs. But overall, um, my week has been good. Um, last week I wasn't feeling it, um, but this week I'm better. So I'm just glad it's Friday mm -hmm. and being a part of your podcast. T-G-I-F-N-D. We are so glad to have you. Now, let's talk about the poll. Now, Mr. Moreland, you've got the poll results pulled up from last week? Uh, yes, I do. Would you mind telling us what was that poll from last week? So if you guys don't remember, we asked the question, uh, which season was your favorite? And the options were, of course, spring, summer, fall, or winter. We only had five votes, but we have a clear winner. We have a winner this week? Yes, well, we do have a winner. Who won? 
Summer. Oh, I Summer won again. It may not yes, have been because of I what it. I said, but I do agree that I like Summer the best. Winter came second with 40%. And then No Love for Spring or Fall. I guess they're the, uh, the seasons that kind of match mm-hmm. each other a little bit. One's the plants coming alive. One's the plants going into hibernation. But they're both about the same temperature, I guess, depending on the weather. I mean, I guess spring is more rainy, in my opinion. It can be. It's not very warm this this fall. That's so. true. And I'm a spring guy. I Although, wanted spring to win. We did have a couple warm fall days that I we was kind of shocked by. We did. So that's excellent. We will have a new poll at the end of the episode, right? Yes. So stay tuned, and we'll let you know what that is. Now, I do want to talk about sports coming up. Football season has ended. We had a successful football campaign this year, so congratulations to everyone involved. Now we're going right into basketball season because it never stops. We actually have the girls who are doing a scrimmage tonight. They're playing a school out in Fairfax. And then, of course, we have the rest of our sports like cross country. They'll be running. And then, of course, we'll be gearing up for the other spring sports. So be on the lookout for that. Now, we have some exciting news for what's going on with clubs. We actually need all members to show up to their club meetings on Monday. Is that right, Mr. Lumpkin? Mm-hmm. I believe we so. We need everyone to show up on Monday because we have to <laughs> update our rosters, right? Yes. In. So for Monday and Wednesday. So yeah. Game Club is going to be on Wednesday. Anime Club is on Monday. Uh, we have a full week, so make sure you all show up because if you don't show up, we're not going to be able to put your name on our roster. And we need that information so we can basically justify why we need uh, to offer those clubs. So the more people show up, the more reason we'll have to say, look, we legitimately need a games club. We legitimately need an anime club. If they don't show up, they'll be like, well, why do we even need a club? There's only like two people. So Absolutely. Make those sure you date, guys come. Those dates are Monday, November the 18th, and Wednesday, November the 20th. For Not anime clubs, Monday. Mm-hmm. And for game club is Tuesday. Of course. Is that Tuesday Wednesday, or Wednesday? Or Wednesday. I'm sorry. Yeah, yes. Wednesday. Okay. Wednesday. And of course, we always have uh, Smash Brothers matches. I think we did one, uh, what was it, this Wednesday, where I, I wish Mr. Hare would have been there. It would have been even better. Uh, we had the knockout. Yeah, the tournament. knockout, where you could play any character only once one for one person. So we went through the entire list. Well, not the entire list. We didn't have a battle pass, but yes. went through the entire vanilla list of smash characters, each only being played once until there was one final, one winter. final winner. And that winner is going to be joining us on the podcast later today. That's very exciting. And I don't mean to brag, but I got second. So <laughs> that's pretty good. Mr. Moore. That's very I, impressive. I probably would have been third if you would have been there, Mr. I don't know. You're much better than that. Now, I do want to talk about some interesting news stories of the week. We always pull up a news story. We've got three this week. We'd like to start with Mr. Moreland. Give us some good news. What have you got for us? Well, uh, I don't know if anybody knows this or not, but I am a big Mr. Rogers fan. Growing up, I watched Mr. Rogers, and uh, it's kind of an odd, odd show for a kid to like because it's just this man who's you know very kind and teaching kids how to be kind. Well, a hospital knit Mr. Rogers sweaters for all the newborns in honor of World Kindness Day. Uh, so the little babies were uh, dressed in these little red sweaters. If you don't know, Mr. Rogers uh, always wore a red zip-up sweater cardigan and his little shoes that he put on at the beginning and end of the show. And so the hospital uh, made little outfits for the babies to represent World Kindness Day. And uh, you can see pictures of the babies in their little sweaters. If uh, you guys click the link, I'm sure Mr. Hare will provide. Absolutely. This will be podcast. linked over to the show notes. Mr. Mr. Rogers was an inspiration to us all. He was a, truly a once in a generation. Uh, he will be having a movie made starring Tom Hanks. Is that yes. correct? And my only complaint about that is I really, I, I mean, I grew up with Mr. Rogers. So I know exactly what he looks like. Same. So as soon as that trailer came out, I looked and I was like, that's not Mr. Rogers. That's Tom Hanks dressed up like Mr. Rogers. <laughs> That's correct. He doesn't even sound like him to me. No. But, of course, it's nice to see that he is getting some recognition. That is true. Mr. Lumpkin, we got a new story coming over there from you. Would you like to tell us what it is? Well, I wish I could be as happy as looking at babies in hospital knit Mr. Rogers sweaters. That's actually making my day right now. But uh, mine actually came up, again, from a little bit of an environmental standpoint because there didn't really happen to be any good dinosaur news to speak. Oops. We didn't look very hard. I didn't look very hard either. Uh, <laughs> instead, uh, what ended up actually coming out this week is actually a sweeping survey on the actual damage or uh, disadvantages that climate change will pose towards global health for children. So 
knowing that the actual climate is shifting now with the way that the environment is changing and everything, it's not actually well known what the effects will be on those that are disenfranchised or disadvantaged, like small, uh, smaller populations of people or smaller, more impoverished groups in countries like in uh, South Africa or anywhere else. Like they, they're doing a full study to see what the, the change in temperatures going by like one or two degrees will actually do to impact the availability of food, especially lower cost food for these sorts of, uh, these sorts of communities. And it's, it's, uh, it's definitely a little bit bleaker than I'll say, uh, Mr. Robert's sweaters little babies are. It's, um, seeing a yield change of, I think they were showing about 6% and global food availability, especially in these more at risk, more at need populations and knowing the kind of strife and other global conflicts and humanity crisis that it might be seeing in the future in these sorts of places. It's concerning, especially when we know that it's going to affect children um, and getting around to actually being able to explain what those poorer countries with that impact will have. It hopefully will be a little bit more to help push uh, policies moving forward to being able to help these people. Well, it's always good to have that type of awareness, and we, I'm always grateful when you bring up something like this. So I want to jump over. I pulled up a new story. Right now, uh, there is a new way to measure gravity, and they're now using floating atoms. So what they've basically done in the past to measure gravity is uh, they had these two, this giant apparatus that had a weight and a mass on each end, and then they would see how that mass moved, and that's how we found the actual gravitational constant. Well, now we found a way to suspend atoms. So we would suspend two atoms, put them in a suspension field using a uh, cesium. Uh, it's, cesium is a type of element, but basically they use those atoms to float in a field. And then they can measure the effect of gravity by suspending them with magnetic fields and then watching how gravity pulls on those atoms. We can also use, say, like a marble. A marble would be considered absolutely massive compared to an atom, and then we could look at how the atom is affected by the marble. So this is absolutely exciting stuff. We can actually use this to test the equivalence principle, which is basically, uh, it's a facet of general relativity where Einstein was saying that if you are on a planet and experiencing the gravity of that planet, or if you're in a reference frame that's accelerating at the exact same rate of that planet's gravity, gravitational pull, you experiencing the same amount of force. So it's a really exciting phase because if we can prove something like that, it'll prove just once again that uh, Dr. Einstein was right as long as much as we've been trying to prove him wrong. <laughs> so it's very exciting, very exciting stuff. So that's telling me that if I end up making my giant space habitats that are spinning at a certain acceleration, the acceleration is going to end up producing possible artificial gravity? Absolutely. We've ah. already, artificial gravity is more of a blanket term to say something that we made that resembles gravity. Yeah. And it's like you said, if we spin an object, you'll get a gravity-like experience. It won't be real gravity, but no, it will be an incredible facsimile. Well, that's really important for if we're ever considering moving beyond, well, our limitations out in space, definitely. That's very interesting. We are. I've been reading on the Artemis Moon program, and yeah. I'm very excited. We're going back to the moon yes. in 2021. So, so the announcement so excited. Yeah, uh. I'm very excited because they've already started working on it, and they've already got the rockets and the designs, and I cannot wait for them to go back to the moon so that we can finally prove the naysayers wrong. So yes, the moon is not actually made of cheese. It is not made of and cheese. That's what we're going to prove when we go back. That's right. Last time, I don't know how they, they must have, it was the 60s, okay? Nobody thought of anything. Then, you know, we just got lost in going, and that's what happened. So I'd like to go directly into the interview with our special guest. You still, you still over there, Miss Pearson? I'm just waiting and excited. All right. So we've got five questions that we like to ask every one of our guests. Sure. And so the first one we always ask is, where did you grow up? Okay. So basically when people ask me where I'm from, I'll say Central Virginia. If you know the state of Virginia and you point in the middle of the state of Virginia, um, that would be Lynchburg, Amherst area. So I was born in Lynchburg Hospital and I grew up in Amherst County. Okay. And how I describe to give um, a um, geographic um, location is I tell uh, anyone who asks, um, I am west of Charlottesville. I'm in between, if you're familiar with Charlottesville, UVA and Roanoke, I'm in between Charlottesville and Roanoke. Okay. A small town. And then I'll say, have you heard of Liberty University? Jerry Falwell. 
Um, and a lot of people have heard of the blowing up college. Um, so that is where I grew up. Excellent. Excellent. So the next thing we always ask is where did you go to school? So I graduated from Amherst High School in 1986. And um, then I started college. I was accepted into Hampton University, um, Hampton, Virginia, which is near Virginia Beach. Um, and Let's go I, Pirates. Yes, yes. And I uh, graduated from there in 1990 with a degree, um, a Bachelor of Science in Hearing Impaired Education. So okay. I know sign language, special education. Could you could you demonstrate some sign language for us right now? Yes, and I wish that all <laughs> of the people who are listening could see me because I love to sign. We may have to do a vlog. We are going yeah. to have to start a YouTube channel, but for those of you who couldn't see it, it was amazing. So we're just going to describe it to you. She used sign language. Now, what inspired you to go into education? Oh my gosh. So your conversation prior to the questions asked to me, um, actually just hit it right the nail on the head. When you all talked about what you, your news story was, um, the, that, Going the to the moon. Yep, going to the moon. And well, Adam. that yes, yeah, the, the moon. Going to the moon. Yes. Going to the moon in 2021. Yes, ma'am. Well, I must say that when I was a senior at um, Amherst County High School, um, it was in the spring, and the Challenger 1986. Yes, the Challenger with the went teacher. up. Krista McAuliffe yep. was an educator, and she was a part of um, a member of the, uh, a guest astronaut. She was an astronaut, yes ma'am. Yes, so unfortunately when the Challenger went up, um, we witnessed it real time, yeah. um, the explosion. It was a disaster, yeah. It was a disaster. And after that, um, in memory of Krista McAuliffe, there was a scholarship for anyone who was interested in going into education. Um, so I applied for it and I got it. So I so once I made once I got that scholarship, I now had to decide, OK, well, I guess I'm going into education um, and I always want to be a teacher. I would put little Barbie dolls, spread them out, have a have a blackboard. You may not even know what a blackboard is for some of our younger listeners. Yeah, that's a board that you could use chalk to write. That's on. right. And I would teach to my dolls. And so over the years, as I grew up, you know, it, I. I was inspired by some teachers um, and also just the fact that I would fake like I was teaching and getting the scholarship. I now decided, hey, I think I'll go into education. So I started out um, in education, not knowing what subject, because I was an average student. I had to work really hard to achieve success. Um, I matriculated into Hampton and there were opportunities to go into special education okay. and money. So I received that grant in hearing impaired education. And so I said, Hey, well, let me go ahead and become a special educator and teach students who are deaf. And so I got that degree and then I continued on and got my master's <laughs> degree or certification in teaching students with learning disabilities. And then I, went to George Washington University. I was actually married and very pregnant with my son, Ronald Peterson, who is a graduate of Manassas Park High School 2017. Um, in my eighth month, I walked across the stage with my master's degree from George Washington University with a master's teaching adolescents with emotional disturbance. So that is what I do here at Manassas Park High School. I teach students with special needs, um, mostly students with emotional disturbance, learning disabilities, other health impairments. And I am going into my 28th year of teaching. And that is absolutely amazing. We asked this question and it's a very open-ended question. So any way you choose to interpret it, we'd like your answer. What is the role of a school? Oh boy. So the role of a school, because I have, I have experienced public education all my life. Um, and I believe in public school education. I believe the role of, of a school is to definitely educate, but it also is to be able to meet the needs of the whole child. Um, that means that when the student comes into the building, 
they're not coming just to learn ABCs and one, two, threes and science and history and English and math. They relation, they are learning relationships, social skills, um, time management, um, financial um, proficiency. And so we as educators, we need to embrace those students who come with that open mind, but they also come with baggage. A lot of students come now with mental health concerns. So we need to make sure that we take care of the basic needs, the Maslow's hierarchy <clears throat> of needs before you think that you can educate a child. So the role of a school is to, we as educators, to be a, a, a nurse, a doctor, a sister, a brother, a mother, um, all those things to make sure that we are um, creating a human being or citizen to go out into the world to become one who will give back. And that's how I was brought up. And that's why I'm all about service and making and helping others so that they can go out into the world and spread joy and happiness. I think that's an excellent answer. I think it's very powerful. And I think that's one thing our high school does a really good job of it, is pushing our teachers to try to go for and help the whole child. Uh, the last question we ask, and this is one that's very important to me. Uh, like I said, right before we started recording, I, I do a lot of reading. Mr. Moreland being a teacher does a ton of reading. Mr. Lumpkin is always interested in the arts and does a lot of reading himself. So what are three books that have influenced you that you would recommend to the student body? Well, being a woman of color, um, I am one who like to read multicultural bo books. And one that has stood out to me recently is Becoming by Michelle Obama. This is her autobiography, correct? Yes. Okay. It is about her life story and growing up in poverty in Chicago. In South Side, yeah. Yep, South Side of Chicago <clears throat> and how her father was a blue collar worker mother was stay at home um, and she had to work hard to get to where she was. And yeah. she had never thought she was going to marry a man who was going to become president of the United States. And he struggled as well. And so they struggled together to get to the point where now they at the top of their game. They are, including she went to law school. Yes. And, you know, that's where she met her aforementioned husband. Yes. She went to Princeton University. She went to two Ivy League schools. She's an incredibly incredible woman. Yes, yes. And again, she's about giving back. She is. Yeah. She's about giving back. So I admire her. Um, so that is one book that I have read and I encourage others to read. Um, another book who uh, that has um, also stuck in my head, and that is by Maya Angelou. I know why the cage bird sings. This woman is phenomenal. Uh, she is now gone on, but her poetry will live forever. And that is an autobiography of her life as well, where she grew up um, in poverty and was raised not by her mother, but by her grandmother. And she um, unfortunately was raped um, at, and, a young age, yeah. at a young age. And <clears throat> she stopped talking for several years, but it was all in her head. And then it came out and as you can see, she she was transcendent. She was, okay, yes. and resilient. So that's that has allowed me to know that hey, we all go through some major things, minor things, bumps in the road, but we always get over it, and we got to continue on. Absolutely. And then the last book is uh, by Alex Haley. Um, if you, if anyone out there has watched Roots, um, I remember watching it as a little girl. Um, there are different versions, but. Malcolm X uh, is, he was an author of Malcolm X and Denzel Washington, uh, the movie, um, he portrayed Malcolm X, but the book is phenomenal. This is the autobiography of Malcolm X? Yes, yes. And it is moving uh, because his life was one in which it would blow your mind. Um, growing up in poverty, okay, again, yep. um, and his father was tragically murdered, and his mother had mental illness, Lynch. yes, yep. and mother had mental illness, and he just had to, you know, um, go through life as a teenager, and, and just be in the streets, <laughs> and then 
became a man and, and, and did things that caused him to end up behind bars. But then that's when he educated himself. And after that, he embraced a religion. He did. Okay. And so with that, he um, now is strong. He became a very strong leader. Okay. Um, embraced Islam. Um, and with that being said, he unfortunately, okay, the religion that he cho chose to um, embrace, okay, and we all can say what that religion is. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, what is it? The Nation of Islam. The Nation yeah. of Islam. That's right. Um, with um, Muhammad. Um, Elijah Muhammad. Elijah Muhammad. That's right. He followed him. And with that following, he was the end all be all. But as he continued to learn about the religion, went over <clears throat> to Mecca, it opened his eyes that this man is not who he should follow. And therefore, it's not by any means necessary to do harm to others, but to have more peace. So he now and he was he was one who um, Dr. Martin Luther King was of peace. He was of, you know what? An eye for an eye. But he turned himself around in his thought process and he became peaceful. And unfortunately, the Nation of Islam murdered him. Yes. People he was assassinated. He was assassinated. <clears throat> so it ended tragically. Um, but bottom line is, is that the book just helps to seal in the, the understanding that he was a dynamic man who historically is one who you would never forget about because he was a leader and he transformed himself from one where strong and fight back to let's live a peaceful life and love. Absolutely. You're actually the second person to uh, offer that as a recommendation. Mm -hmm. So it can't be offered any strongly. I, I agree with Ms. Peterson. That is a strong book to read. I've read it myself and I thoroughly enjoyed it. But Ms. Peterson, I'd like to thank you for interviewing with us today. I am, again, very pleased and um, I appreciate <clears throat> the invitation because, again, I am a fan and I share the podcast with friends and I actually want to start my own podcast. Mm -hmm. So you're... I need your help. <laughs> oh, okay. We will be glad to help you. Yes. So with all that, we're going to take a quick break. And then when we come back, we're going to have our burning question and maybe even another interview. Thank you. 